Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Secret Podcast with Sixth Sense Media and Service of Change. I'm your host, Dennis Nappy II, and this is the show that challenges reality, questions at which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change, making the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural. On this episode, once again, the paranormal is slowly creeping into the realm of normal. Another Washington Post article revealing yet another UFO video taken by the United States military and what that means for us, what that means for the government who, according to the author of this article, the government is not paying any attention to these unidentified craft. So we'll get into that shortly, but first I want to draw your attention to the great SixSenseMedia.net. You know, if you haven't checked it out yet, please, I invite you to do so, SixSenseMedia.net. So much great content. If you enjoy the show, you're going to enjoy the website and the blog posts and the articles that we have coming up there and the wealth of resources. If you're trying to find answers, if you're doing your own exploration, looking for uh, you know, different um, ideas and concepts uh, and facts and, and sources, it's all here. We have so much here. Ray, is, his work is heavily sourced. My work's heavily sourced. Everything I put up there, I had the links to, to do the research. All the show notes are here um, you know, for the podcast as well. Uh, so great articles. I'm going I'm to review one today by, by Ray um, talking about the Washington Post release. It's called uh, To the Stars Academy Round 2, Cool Video, Lame Article. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But some other great articles Ray has up there. One I want to draw your attention to, he put out just the other day. It's called, Are We Living in a Simulation? Now, as you know, this is one of my favorite topics to explore. Uh, and what Ray has compiled is a, uh, a compilation of videos along with some, uh, some writing that he did talking about this simulation argument and some key top scientists. I saw uh, uh, Nick Bostrom in there. I saw a video with Nick Bostrom and uh, Professor Gates, the one who found the binary code in string theory. So if this is something you're interested in, this is a great starting point for you. Um, or a great reference point to go take it to the next level. There's a lot of good information contained in that article. So please, check it out. SixthSenseMedia.net. Lots of good stuff in there. Again, if you're a content creator, we need your help. We need help with people to uh, you know, just create content, whether it's videos, whether it's podcasts. If you have artwork that you want to contribute to the website, if you're a writer and want articles, if you want to be a guest on the show, whatever it is, whatever you can contribute to help this platform grow. We're not asking for your money. We're asking for a little bit of your time, a little bit of content, and in exchange, we're going to promote your work as well. That, and that's the goal. We're, we're trying to help each other here in this community with Sixth Sense Media. So uh, reach out to us. There's, there's a uh, tab on, at sixthsensemedia.net. It says Help Wanted. Click on that tab, and it'll walk you through what you need to do to get in touch with us so we can uh, start publishing your stuff on, uh, on, on this platform here. It's fantastic. So uh, let, let's go. Some things going through my head this week. You, you know, let me tell you. I feel like... I, I know I say this every week. This week kicked my ass. It was a, a really um, challenging couple of weeks. I talked about it last week, how it looked like my family was fighting the flu, my wife and my three kids. Um, so they, they kicked the flu, but it was, it was like a two-week battle. And everybody starts getting on the mend. And then my son wakes up the other day, and he's got these red, his cheeks are real red. And we notice this rash, this red rash all over his body. 
So we're like, now what? So my wife takes him to the doctor. Turns out my son, after fighting this flu, has scarlet fever. Uh, And they assume that because it's so contagious, it's part of the strep virus, that not just my son, but all three of my kids probably have it because of how easily it's spread and kids are always putting stuff in their mouths and stuff. My youngest is 11 months old. So we got them some medication for that so we can fight that. And uh, everybody's on the mend, but that was another, you know, four or five days of just sickness in this house. So it's, it's been almost a month. I'll tell you, I was sick all through December. So, you know, at, at one point, you know, everybody's sick, but me, I didn't get any of this stuff, fortunately. Um, so I was kind of running the house, taking care of everybody, trying to do some work. I mean, it was, it was exhausting, absolutely exhausting. I'm thankful everybody's feeling better, but I gotta say it takes its toll, man. I, you know, just it just, it beat me up. It beat me up, uh, big time. So we're all on the men mentally. Now I'm on the men, hopefully on the up and up. But speaking of that stuff, you know, some of the content I've covered in the past couple of weeks has been kind of pessimistic, kind of dark at, at some times. And it's, it's been weighing on me. Um, you know, I, I was looking at the, uh, the stuff coming out of suspicious observers, talking about how we're currently in a magnetic pole shift right now and how that's going to significantly impact our climate. And I'm not going to lie, that scared me. That really scared me because I got three kids. And, uh, you know, what do I do? Where do I go? How do I prepare? Oh, my gosh. And then as I come into that information, we get hit with two blizzards within a couple days of each other where I live. Uh, you know, and, and fortunately, my home was not impacted other than we had a lot of snow to deal with. But my whole community, my whole township everywhere, the whole county was so bad they called the National Guard out because people were out on the roads and they got people were stuck for over 10 hours on the roads. Trees were coming down like crazy. I forget how many thousands of people were without power. Um, gas stations were without gas. Gas stations were without electricity. And this, I wasn't that impressed with this snowstorm in all honesty. I didn't think it was anything major, but... You know, I was looking at my firewood supply. We we pretty much ran out of firewood going through this. Um, what scared me about it is how this this wasn't a total societal collapse. It was just a snowstorm, but everything shut down. I, I didn't go to school for a week. My school was shut down the whole week because of this snowstorm, because of these two snowstorms. And we were off the Friday before that too. So it scared me how easily it is for our infrastructure to crumble and fall apart. I promise there's a positive ending to this story. But I was really upset. And I'm thinking, I'm looking at my setup, I'm looking at my kids, and I'm going, I'm, I'm not prepared. How do you prepare for that? I mean, I know we have a lot of preppers out there. But how do you prepare? You know, you, what if you set up your house to, to ride something out and a tree falls on your house and, and, and then you're done? What do you do? And you have to leave. Well, I have a bug out location. Like I know the drill. I know what everybody talks about. You know, I, I know what needs to be done, quote unquote, needs to be done. Um, but that costs time. It costs money. It costs resources. It's a, it's a high cost in preparing for a disaster that may or may not happen. Now, it does seem as if this climate change is underway. This pole shift is happening. Um, I have an article I'm going to talk about that may lend credence to some of that as well. It's scary stuff. I was watching my guilty pleasure. I, I like, uh, surprise, surprise, those post-apocalyptic series on TV. So I was watching that uh, Fear the Walking Dead on Hulu. 
And there's this one scene where zombies are killing killing everybody, right? Everybody's dying off. Sounds pretty morbid, right? And the two characters are talking. And the one girl says to this older woman, she says, you know, I lost my husband in the towers in 9-11. And I met another man a few years later who believed that the fall of the towers was the beginning of the end and that we needed to prepare. And I started to believe him. So I invest, we invested into what they were calling the ranch. And it was a survival prepper community where they had all these cattle, all these resources, all these guns, so they could ride out the apocalypse, which is exactly what they were doing. And the young girl looks at her, she says, well, it looks like you were right. You know, you made the right investment and you came to the ranch and you, you were able to survive the apocalypse. And the lady looked at her and she goes, I don't think that I was. We wasted all of those years where we could have been exploring this world and traveling and having rich experiences. And that hit me so hard because in my spiritual research, in my spiritual journey, it, it, I, I, time and again, the message that comes across is that fear is what limits you. Fear is what keeps you contained and prevents you from living a fulfilling, loving, caring life. And we need to step out of that fear. And I deal with my own stress and anxiety from my experiences I've had, you know, with the military and the police department and, and even my first couple of years teaching, believe it or not. So I, I do find myself limiting experiences because my fear and my anxiety gets the best of me. And now I'm sitting here thinking, okay, well now we have this magnetic pole shift that you know, it's going to happen. Now that could happen tomorrow or it could happen 80 years from now. It's going to happen within the next, you know, couple decades apparently, but we don't know when it's going to hit. So what do we do? At the end of the day, when your clock's about to punch out and you look back on your life, are you going to regret that you spent your entire life prepping for one event? So you just, so you can say you survived it? Maybe. I don't know. I think life should be about rich, enriching experiences where we're growing in knowledge. Now, we don't want to just not prepare for anything at all, obviously. We want to protect the ones we love, but we have to find that balance. And we have to remember to scale it back with that fear that tends to consume us at times. And I'm usually pretty good at it, but lately it has been all consuming for me. So, that's something I'm going to work on is uh, remembering to have those experiences in life because it seems at times life gets so complicated and so hard that it just drags us down. So what do we do? How do you deal with that? You know, I, there's all these things I want to do with Sixth Sense Media, with expanding the, the podcast, with my books, but I'm working two jobs and raising three kids. Well, where do I find the time? Well, you know, fortunately... You know, what I'm doing right now, I'm excited about it. Maybe this story will give some people some good ideas or some hope or something. But I'm a teacher, and we talked about the gun stuff, and, and that's how concerning that is. I am excited. I got in touch. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, I talked about the organization that brought meditation into schools, and it reduced it reduced discipline, it reduced suspensions, it reduced you know, taught the kids to meditate and be mindful, all this great stuff. 
I was able to get in touch with the founder. It's called the Holistic Life Foundation, HLF, out of Baltimore. You can Google it. And I had a conversation with the guy for about a half hour, um, you know, and he talked to me about different strategies and things that I can do to implement them in my school. Um, you know, so my colleague and I, were, you know, we're going to take that advice and we're going to, to pitch that to our administration and try to develop a program where we can expand and explore and look at the benefits of meditation and and, and, and teach that to our students who, who might really need it. And, and that's our positive contribution. So I guess my point is, I want to be able to focus on all this stuff, but feel so distracted by my job. I think I found a way to blend it. And you might be able to find some research on your own or, or some of the stuff I've talked about on the show, if you think this is important, and, and pitch it to your boss at your job and say, hey, we should create a, a room for meditation. Here's the benefits of it. And, and get them some data and say, here's what it's shown. If people have time to meditate every day, you know, hire a consultant or somebody can come in and teach it, or you can even buy some audio tapes and train everybody up on how to meditate. And then every day, everybody gets like a 15 minute break to go into the meditation room and sit quietly and meditate. And you will see productivity go up. If you can pitch it to your boss that way, then maybe you can incorporate some of these practices into your everyday life, into our everyday lives. And does it seems a lot less overwhelming. You know, and I made a choice too. Uh, I hope I'm not boring you guys with this stuff, but I've really been interested in, uh, you know, a lot of the Reiki healing and the psychic healing and, and things of that nature. And there's a, a book, I talked about it a while ago. It's called Hands-On Healing. I can't remember the author of it right now, but it's, I have the audio version of it, the audio book. And it's a training program. And he's got, and he's got some very solid research on um, using energy work to cure cancer in rats. Great research. Look the book up, listen to his sources, listen to what he's talking about and how they're um, curing rats with these cancerous tumors by the hands-on stuff. And they've since branched out and obviously are treating people now. So I made a decision the other day, I'm doing this. So I've been getting up early. This was actually yesterday. I got up early, earlier yesterday than I usually get up, which is pretty early anyway. And I spent 20 minutes just practicing the meditations. And uh, I feel really good about it. So I'm going to try to keep just doing a little bit every day to try to incorporate more of this into my life because this is the world that I want to experience. These are the things that, that I enjoy. Instead of being so depressed and upset and focused on the fear and the sadness and the negativity. And it, it's out there. It's around there. And, and I'll tell you, I, I've seen a lot of it. Not as much as others, but I, I've seen my share. I don't want to be consumed by that. So I'm going to try to do things and, and build a life um, that's going to be more positive, happy, beneficial, and helpful. And I hope I hope you guys can do the same out there. And with with the goals and dreams that I have... Well, this is just one small step, but it's a combination of small steps that'll get you to that big goal. You can't you can't automatically have the things that you want sometimes in life. You got to play chess and make those strategic moves. But as long as I'm making tiny progress towards my goal, I feel happy and I feel good about myself. So, I hope uh, I hope you find that inspirational, and I'd love to hear your ideas. What are you doing? Um, you know, to, to try to incorporate some of this stuff into your world. You know, I was speaking with a friend of mine um, just last night, and uh, he was frustrated, you know, how there's so much lies, so many lies and deceit and problems in the world, and 
the truth to shoot holes in a lot of these stories exists, but people just don't seem to want to accept it. They want to follow the mainstream. And you're saying, you know, you can't wake these people up. What's the problem? You, you, you know, even if you're shaking them and putting the information in front of their face, they don't want to see it. You know, and I get it. I get that frustration. You know, but I, I remember I did a show early on, and my show was called What You Believe Is Wrong. And that, it, it forced me to think about people's beliefs and my approach to other people's beliefs. And, and I, I've decided a while ago, my goal, the goal of my contribution to Six Sense Media and the goal of my podcast is not to wake anybody up. I'm not looking to change anybody's mind. My hope is that for somebody who's out there struggling with these questions, who's already made the decision, this doesn't make sense to me anymore, I think there's something else going on. Somebody who's made that choice then has somewhere to go to find information, to find that comfort and realize I'm not crazy. And if I am crazy, I'm not alone. And that's, I think, what we need to focus on because we're not going to change everybody's mind because some people just want to be led and they want to be led by the mainstream. And maybe that's the way this world was designed. And it I don't think it's our mission to change that. Because maybe, there's so much we don't understand, maybe in their spiritual growth and evolution, they need to go through whatever the mainstream is handing out to them. They need to spiritually learn those lessons first. Every one of us listening to this show has gone through some kind of change of opinion, change, or shift in perspective. But we had to come to that on our own. You can't force somebody to believe what we believe. So where does that leave us? Well, there are people who are not going to accept what the, the worldview that we have. So we need to do what we can within our own lives, within our own communities. There's no need to contribute conflict during that, as frustrating as it may be. And that's why, like I said, shared that story today. Well, I'm going to incorporate my own practices and use them to help the people that I can and uh, hopefully bring meditation into schools for students that are willing to participate in it. That's all you can do. You can't force people to get involved. Okay. All right. I feel like I'm just babbling here, but this is this is the stuff that's in my head and my heart right now. Um, it's been a cha- like I said, it's been a challenge, but I'm, I'm think I'm on the right track now with uh, the direction that I'm going in. All right, a uh, couple more things before I jump into some of the news stories. I, I came across a this is interesting about the Matrix. The woman who allegedly originally wrote the Matrix series, like her name is Sophia something. I'll, I'll have it in the show notes. She's claiming that she won a lawsuit suing, uh, I guess, Warner Brothers because they stole her script. She's claiming she wrote The Matrix and she wrote The Terminator series. This is fascinating. And she said The Matrix actually comes after Terminator. The machines rose up and then they, they took the people and they implanted them and, and created The Matrix and all that stuff. Um, so at first watching this interview with her, I'm, re- I'm rolling my eyes because she doesn't she just doesn't sound like she's someone capable of writing all of that stuff she's all over the place and then she said something 
that really hit me hard. She talked about the Son of Man and the Son of God. Now, we've ancient astronaut theorists have talked about that. I've covered some of that on this show. You know, the, the angels fell from heaven and came unto the daughters, of the son, the daughters of men. Um, and she said, the the Son of Man is AI. Man is the Son of God. And I'm not trying to get religious here. I don't like the term God, but. She said, man is the son of God. So basically, whatever God is, which may be an alien race, something created us. And then mankind created AI. And that's the abomination. She's saying that's what doesn't have a soul. And I thought that was very interesting. I think that ties into um, a lot of what we're experiencing today. And it just gave me a different shift and a way to look at things there in some of these older texts with that AI understanding that we have now. So we'll let that simmer for a little bit as I uh, further explore that one. But I wanted to share that with all of you because I thought that was uh, a very interesting read, very interesting listen. I'm sorry. All right. Let's move into some of the news stories here. We have from Unknown Country, Mayan Underworld unveils a 10,000-year-old story, including a violent catastrophic event. An archaeological expedition aimed at plumbing the secrets of Chichen Itza's underworld, I'm sorry, Chichen Itza's underworld of the gods has uncovered the well-preserved remains of ancient humans and extinct animals that date back to the last ice age. Far more than what the expedition's members bargained for when they set out to map and explore the sacred network of Mayan caves. The nature of some of the fossils found there also hinted at the occurrence of a catastrophic event that embedded some of the bones in the walls of the cave. Launched in September of 2017 by Mexico's National Institute of Anthropology and History, the expedition set out to map the vast network of subterranean caves and sinkholes in the Yucatan called Cenotes, using ground-penetrating radar and sending diving teams to explore the submerged passageways in person. Mapping efforts unveiled 248 cenotes connected through a vast 347-kilometer, which is 216-mile, network called Sac Actun, home to 200 newly identified archaeological sites with approximately 140 of those identified as ancient Mayan. It's a very rich system. Uh, Let's see. I'm skipping that paragraph. But alongside the relics of this lost civilization was an unexpected find of human remains that were at least 9,000 years old, accompanied by an even older remains of extinct mammals, such as giant sloths, elephants, and bears that date back to the Pleistocene. This paint a new picture of how various human populations migrated into the region, with the post-Ice Age population eventually being supplanted by the ancestors of today's indigenous cultures. The expedition also found evidence that the transition between geological ages wasn't as smooth as one might expect, hinting that an event violent enough to embed some of the fossils in the cave walls. In addition, we can see that there was an important step of people during a great period of time. In this space is pits in the is the pit C note, where we find bones embedded in the wall that tell us about a catastrophic event. Likewise, we find skulls where Mayan contexts are mixed with ancient ones, says the Anda. Okay, ten thousand years ago, there was a catastrophic event. Graham Hancock's work talks about this catastrophic event. Uh, some great research coming out of Graham Hancock's book, Magician of the Gods, how ten to twelve thousand years ago. Um, we had a major, he thinks it was a celestial impact. Now, I just watched a documentary. This is another reason I was all depressed. 
um, about the P- pyramids of Egypt. It was shared through the Sixth Sense Media site on Facebook. I will share it in the show notes. This documentary is well worth your time. It talks about all the anomalies of the pyramids. Then it talks about the mathematical uh, impossibilities of these of the construction of the pyramids and the Sphinx, uh, unless you're aware of all this other high math, higher order thinking that we didn't we don't attribute to the ancient Egyptians. What this documentary shows basically is that it's a giant clock based on the stars. You understand procession of the equinox. This is what Graham Hancock talks about as well. This corroborates what Graham was saying. That basically 10 to 12,000 years ago, and every 10 to 12,000 years, there is major earth upheavals. Combine that with what suspicious observers is talking about with the pole shift. Combine that with, like I said, Graham's work, this new finding with the Mayans. Something's coming. Now, I don't know how close we are to that, but this does seem to be a grand cycle, and that's something I think we should be mindful of. But again, we don't want it to consume us to the point where when that, if that day comes, or when that day comes when it's time for us to transition, we're not regretting that we spent our entire life doing nothing but preparing for a potential disaster. We need to still live our lives. Easier said than done in the face of this information. I'm downplaying it right now. Um, but I think this is pretty serious and pretty concerning. So I'll have this in the show notes, sixcentsmedia.net. Please be sure to check it out. All right, speaking of which, more doom and gloom stuff. I'm sorry, but this is the paper. Uh, suspicious observers covered it. it. says, this is from uh, globalnews.ca. World unprepared for next major volcanic eruption. Researchers say death tolls could reach millions. Uh, the next... Major volcanic eruption is capable of wiping out an entire city, killing millions of people and bringing global finance markets to a halt, according to a group of scientists. I know this is contradictory to what I just talked about in the beginning. I still think we need to be aware of this stuff. Uh, in a recent paper published in Geosphere, a team of volcanologists broke down the consequences of not preparing for an inevitable volcanic eruption that ranks seven or more on the volcanic explosivity index. Okay. Um, the next VE... Uh, now I'm in a different spot here. Uh, this is what they quoted from suspicious observers. The next VEI-7 eruption could occur within our lifetime or it could be hundreds of years down the road, said Chris Newhall, a volcanologist with the uh, Miris Birch Garden and Nature Center at Santo Domingo, Philippines. But time to have this discussion is now, he says, so that researchers and government officials can plan and prepare before an emergency strikes. So keep that in mind. We could have this tomorrow or this could be 100 years from now. I think that we should be prepared. I think that we need to change our way of life in all honesty. But I think we should use care in how we take that level of preparation. We need to be mindful of our impact on the environment. And I'm a huge proponent of starting out at the monolithic dome house. Those homes, they're energy efficient. They're they're fireproof. They can withstand the strongest earthquake. They can withstand the strongest hurricane. They can withstand the strongest volcano. They can deal with impacts of floods and tsunamis. You know, obviously water can still get into them, but they're safer for people all around and they're more environmentally friendly. I think we should push for this in all honesty. I mean, I think that would be revolutionary. That's a huge step into how we can change things in this world. We're stuck with our brick and mortar construction, our stick built homes. 
that have all sorts of problems that, that require so many different types of resources, um, we need to be doing something differently. I, I, and I think that's a, a huge starting point. And that way, you're not creating these underground bunkers, which may be necessary for some of these things. But for the everyday things that we face, even the really bad things with all this climate change that is coming, you can still have a normal, beautiful home and not have to have the panic and worry that, oh my gosh, we're getting all these tornadoes or these superstorms now. We can't survive it because these homes are built to survive that stuff, but they're just homes. Uh, this is one of those things where I want to shake people and say, look at this evidence here. Look what we could do. But anyway, uh, I would love to have one of those built one day and uh, not have to worry, really. Okay. What else do I have here? Let's get to the UFO stuff because I'm running out of time here. It's from the Washington Post. The military keeps encountering UFOs. Why doesn't the Pentagon care? This is by Christopher Mellon. Uh, and Christopher Mellon, he served as the Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence during the Clinton and George Bush administrations. Um, and now he's with uh, the To The Stars Academy. I think that's something we need to pay attention to. So he wrote this article here for the Washington Post. In December, the Defense Department declassified two videos uh, documenting encounters between U.S. Navy F-18 fighters and unidentified aircraft. The first video captures multiple pilots observing and discussing a strange hovering egg-shaped craft, apparently one of the fleet of such objects according to the cockpit audio. The second shows a similar incident involving an F-18 attached to two USS Nimitz carrier battle group in 2004. The videos, along with observations by pilots and radar operators, appear to provide evidence of the existence of aircraft far superior to anything possessed by the United States and its allies. Defense Department officials say, uh, who analyzed the relevant intelligence confirmed that more than a dozen such incidents off the East Coast alone since 2015. In another recent case, the Air Force launched F-15 fighters in October in a failed attempt to intercept unidentified high-speed aircraft looping over the Pacific Northwest. So this article goes on to talk about basically the history, the recent history of UFO sightings. Uh, and they released a third video, and the third video is pretty cool. Again, I'll have this article in the video linked at the show notes there at sixcentsmedia.net and at servicechange.com. The video is a pilot tracking this tiny little dot across the ocean, and it, I guess, I mean, I, I can't gauge speed, but the, the pilot's reaction sounds like this thing's moving really quick. And, uh, what Mellon is saying is that the government is failing to really do anything about it. He's saying these instances are continuing to occur, to occur, and he says they're escalating in occurrence. Yet, nobody in the intelligence or defense industry wants to be known as the alien guy. So nobody acknowledges it. Now, he also says, we don't know that they're alien. He says, for all we know, they could be, and he, he, he dropped China or Russia in there, and I have to wonder, is that planting a seed there because, you know, that's our two future potential big enemies for the next, you know, big war that people want us to be afraid of. But his claim is that the government is not acknowledging this, is not really doing anything about it. Now, that statement frustrates me because we know that throughout the past, the government has launched investigations into UFOs, just Project Blue Book, which has been declassified now. And they dismissed the majority of the sightings around the world of UFOs, but there were some they couldn't categorize. 
And then you have, I did a whole show on the, several shows on this, Colonel Corso's book, and he was a Pentagon official within research and development who claims they did recover craft from the Roswell incident. So someone's lying here. Someone's not telling the truth or somebody is misinformed with what's going on here. And I'm sorry, but I don't buy that the government doesn't know anything. Now, maybe that's what they're telling this guy. Maybe that's what they're telling 99.9% of the people within the Department of Defense and the intelligence communities. But you can't tell me that these craft are penetrating our airspace and nobody's looking into it with some serious inquiry. Why the secrecy? Why are we not publicly looking into this? Or why is not more of an effort being made within the military? Why does this seem to get silenced when this happens? Who in the government has that control? And what do they benefit by keeping it a secret? Well, let's take the let's put the, the big giant conspiracy hat on right now. What if our government has been compromised? What if what if these craft, let's say they're not even alien, what if they're just ancient earth civilization? Okay, because I'm, I'm convinced there was a high civilization here uh, before the last catastrophe hit. And I think that they've survived and I think they've seeded this planet with knowledge once everybody reemerged from wherever they went into hiding. So what if they have penetrated the government and they're the ones who are keeping the lid of secrecy on this? Or what if they're alien and they're here? I know that sounds crazy, right? How do we know that the government hasn't been compromised? Now, you talk about um, David Eichel would be the first one to tell you that they're shape-shifting reptilians. Okay, Maybe there's something to that. You know, The Corey Good and uh, David Wilcox spin is that this is um, there's an alliance and a cabal operating within the government. Well, what if that cabal is actually tied to UFOs or whatever these other beings are, this other cabal? culture is. That's highly possible. Maybe that's what accounts for this level of secrecy, this level of cover-up. I mean, if you think about it, there's so many accounts of abductions of American people, I'm sorry, just citizens of the world happening. Linda Mullen Howe did some great research on the cattle mutilations that were going on. So the government knows about this stuff. This Washington Post article, I think it's, it's deceptive. It makes it makes us think that the government isn't doing anything about it. They're not doing anything about it publicly. Whatever they're doing, they're keeping quiet. Or whatever they know, they're allowing stuff to happen for whatever reason. I don't know what that reason is. I'm growing more and more skeptical over stuff coming out of to the stars. Now, I don't know if that's because these people are intentionally misleading us. The more I read, I, I don't think that they are. I think that maybe they've been, they're just pawns in this game and they may believe they're fighting the good fight. I don't know enough about them yet. And maybe the information they're being fed is designed to create this Facade that the government doesn't want to look into this, that the government doesn't know anything about this. But what they're saying contradicts so many other expert testimony. 
you just look at Dr. Greer's work and the people that he's pulled, and there are people that have been involved in this stuff. So that tells me that the people coming out of To The Stars just didn't have access to a lot of these things that were going on. But I think it's out there. I think there's more to it. And I think we need to know. We need to know what these are because I think that will tell us a lot about who we are and what's really going on in this world and what may lie ahead for us in the future. So I'm going to keep digging on this. I know Ray's uh, working hard at pulling information. He has a good opinion article up at SixthSenseMedia.net that I want to direct your attention to. Please make sure you take the time to check it out and read the rest of this article um, at the Washington Post and watch the video. The benefit of this is well, now this we have a Washington Post. First was New York Times. Now we have a Washington Post article acknowledging UFOs are real. And that's positive. That's a step, another step in the right direction towards total disclosure. I think we have a long way to go. But it's something I think, uh, you know, we can at least celebrate that aspect of it, of what they've done. A lot of people criticize to the stars, myself included, um, you know, especially because they don't understand why they have that entertainment piece that Tom DeLonge is running. That's concerning to me because I think they're using the same model, the same Hollywood model. With the entertainment piece, you can control the story. You implant the ideas in people's minds and get them thinking the way you want them to think. It's, it's, it's magic, really, is what it is. A lot going on here, my friends. Uh, I will continue to track this story. I know it's kind of long-winded today. I hope uh, you took something from this show. Uh, you know... And we'll go from there. <laughs> I'm still recovering, obviously. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and end the show here. But I hope that you all have a wonderful week. Please check in. Please let us know if you're interested in uh, joining the Sixth Sense Media team uh, as a content creator in any way, shape, or form. Uh, just click the Help One tab at SixthSenseMedia.net uh, and check us out on social media. Ray Davis has tons of content going up there all the time. Facebook.com slash the Sixth Sense Media. We're on Twitter, Six underscore Sense underscore Media. That's all the time I have, my friends. I'm Dennis Snappy II. This has been another episode of The Secret Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep open mind. Thank you. Thank you.